Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Previously on The Legacy of Gaia, Minius went to stand up and then collapsed back down in pain. He was practically unconscious now and Finn was in floods of tears trying to find where the blood was coming from. Emery crouched down and grabbed them both. Then let's get out of here. This is episode 5 of The Legacy of Gaia. Emery took another look out of the window, but it was useless. Across the long dark valleys he saw nothing but a bottomless black void. He looked harder and caught a glimpse of something. Then something else to the right of it. There was a group of moving figures bearing down on them. They must have been no more than five minutes away at most, but their movements were slow and cumbersome, like a gentle jog, and they could possibly outrun them if they tried. He tried to peer further into the abyss of the night sky, but he couldn't quite make out what they were. Two arms and two legs, at least, it seemed. He gave a sigh and rolled up his sleeves. He knelt down and pulled Minius up to his feet. Can you see them, Hemi? Finn asked. Just take his legs. Let's get him out the back. They dragged the barely conscious Minius outside through the back door. The poor knight was still bleeding heavily and looked ghostly pale. His heavy weight meant that there was no way they could get far with him like this. Hemero didn't want to suggest this yet, but they might have to leave Minius if they wanted to get away. He knew Finn would never leave his brother even if it meant his own death. But he wasn't prepared to die just yet. Once outside in the darkness, Finn grabbed an old rusty wheelbarrow. Let's put him in this. Good idea. Emma realised he was shaking in fear. The noises had grown louder, and it was difficult to move Minius, let alone get him into a wheelbarrow. They quickly tried to hoist him inside, but instead he landed with a thud and hit his head on the side of the wheelbarrow. Milius screamed out into the night sky in pain as fresh blood started pouring from his wound. His scream was returned from across the way with a bone-chilling abnormality. The people chasing them now knew exactly where they were. Finn, if we don't get him inside this wheelbarrow on the count of three, then we have to make a run for it. What? One. Two. Three. They lifted Milius with all their might and were able to just about get him into the wheelbarrow. Hemero could now see a deep wound in Milius's back that was bleeding profusely. It was clear he would not last long without medical attention. Let's go, push, push! Hemero shouted, and both he and Finn 
started pushing Minius into the night, with no idea where they were going, save for Hemero's powerful eyesight. Soon, all light had abandoned them, and it meant all they could focus on now was the sound of their own breath. Their panting, mixed in with the sound of the wheelbarrow, had almost drowned out the horrific screams behind them. Hemero felt a burning in his lungs, and could taste blood in his mouth. To think he was in bed mere moments ago made him wonder if this was just a dream. He wondered how it was possible that things could change so fast, that one situation could so vastly radicalise into another within mere minutes. Was life like this? The moment you feel safe being plunged into something else entirely? He hopes not. He had never felt truly safe, yet he never felt in danger as much as this very moment. Was this what his life would be like from here on in? Was it normal? The darkness was confusing him, and his mind wandered. And then he suddenly realised that they could easily run right off a cliff. Finn, where are we going? I thought you knew. Just keep running. Maybe they can't see us. Suddenly, a scream broke through the darkness, but this was different from the others. It was hoarser, like a growl, and turned into high-pitched, indecipherable noise. Hemero quickly turned to look behind him and could see the strange creatures had reached Finn's house. Hemero, what is it? Just keep running, Finn. Please, just keep running. Don't stop. Hemero knew that they had to come across someone sooner or later, but out here, there was nothing but farms and fields. They weren't headed for anywhere and were tired, but they were running on hope and hope alone. It felt like hours had passed instead of minutes, and suddenly, it had become silent. This worried Hemero even more. Then, from out of nowhere, they could hear all manner of noises and snarls around them. There were groans and screams and shouts like animals and humans in pain. Something guttural, something primitive and something evil. They'd been caught. Whatever these creatures were, they'd been strangely quiet until they had snuck up on them. Finn seemed to be concentrating too hard on running to notice the noises. Or maybe he just chose to ignore them. Whatever had happened, Hemero suddenly had to come to terms with the fact that he was about to die, that all those things he had wished to do during his life were for naught. This was it. No one would remember him. He was just another orphan boy left dead in a field. Hemero began to slow down, married now to his fate. Just then a light flicked on nearby, penetrating the darkness as a small beacon of hope. They were not alone. There could be help. Quick, Finn, towards the light. Wait. Wait, I know where that is. Finn squinted into the distance. That'll be where Mad Morris lives. Mum said he will kill us if we ever go on his land. It was said around town that Mad Morris would trap and kill any children who played on his land and to stay away at all costs. There had been other rumours that he was a former Dark Clans member that was thrown out for being too evil, that Gaia had cursed him to live forever all alone, or that he was a crazy half-Titan that was so hideous that to see him turns you to ashes. We don't have a choice. I'd rather take my chance with one old farmer than a group of monsters, Hemero insisted. He tried to pick up speed but dared not mention to Finn that he could sense the moving figures were getting closer. Were they now running? He hoped not, but clearly these creatures were now close enough to see them in the meek glow radiating from this tiny light. Hemero wondered if this was what death was like. If he was running towards the inevitable, perhaps he was already dead. 
As they got closer, they were finding it more and more difficult to push Milius, and Hemero could feel that they were slowing down. His legs had now become tired and heavy. The ground they were pushing the wheelbarrow on was rough and rocky, making it difficult to keep up momentum, and sweat was dripping into his eyes with a vengeful sting. Hemero knew that they wouldn't make it at this pace. The snarls and frenzied laughter emanating from behind them spurred him on, but it would only be a matter of moments before they'd be caught. As they crossed the large open field, Hemero could make out the cottage that was shedding small traces of some much-needed light onto their path. All of a sudden, the wheelbarrow went over a rock and Milius fell out, landing face-first onto the rocky ground. They stumbled over one another and Hemero felt his head hit something hard. He quickly sat up and dabbed at his forehead. It was wet. The warm sensation of blood in the cool night air felt like a welcome relief and there was an urge to stay there and let the world do to him what it so clearly was trying to do. Hemero felt calm, and all the noise surrounding them seemed to disappear. But he could see Finn. Finn was shouting something, pulling him up. He wasn't sure what was happening, but he could see Milius was laid out on the ground. Finn was desperately trying to put him back in the wheelbarrow and looked scared. Why didn't Finn just leave them and save himself? Hemero. Where was this voice? Hemero. It's a woman. Was this a trick? Was he really asleep? Had he finally died? Was it Gaia? Hemero! Finn slapped him hard across the face. We need to get Milius out of here. The noises got louder and he could hear Finn breathing heavily. What had just happened? He got up to help and took Milius by the underneath of his arms. Finn grabbing his legs, but they just couldn't lift him high enough. They were just too weak and tired. Come on, Finn, one more try. We don't have time, Hemero shouted. Finn nodded with determination, and in one last heave they were able to get him back in and continue moving again. Faster and faster they ran, trying not to topple the wheelbarrow. Finn was still crying and the voices sounded like they were right behind them. Help, Finn was shouting into the unknown. Help! over and over again, but no one replied. Hemero kept quiet and concentrated on the light. He was starting to accept that it was already too late and they were going to have to fight to protect Milius. He began to blame Gaia for the false hope, for letting him come to terms with his own mortality. Then, releasing a signal of salvation, only for it to be dashed away so cruelly. It was Gaia, playing a mean trick on him, he was certain. It was Gaia who had spoken to him just then, in a moment of despair to give him faith, only to laugh at his demise. They continued running blindly, pinning all their hopes on a miracle and praying that if they are to die, that their death be quick and painless. Hemero could hear the fast, heavy breathing of whatever was behind them, and at one point felt one of their hands brush against his back trying to grab him. They were that close now. It forced Hemero to run even faster in one final burst to pull out some extra energy from the sheer will to survive. But Finn was whimpering and crying, holding him back and slowing them down. I can't, Finn was mumbling. I can't, please. He looked ready to collapse, and Hemero noticed they were now going uphill. This was it. This was the end. Suddenly a hand pulled Hemero round by the arm, revealing the melting face of a peasant staring right back into his. He must have only recently been set ablaze as his flesh 
was still dripping onto the ground like a thick, gooey milkshake. One of his eyes were missing, his nose completely gone, and parts of his skull shone through like specks of white paint. Hemro could not utter a sound at the sheer revulsion he felt with the sight and smell of what was in front of him. The once human creature roared with an agony not of this world and lunged forward to bite Hemro's face. Hemro closed his eyes and heard a chopping noise fly through the air. He quickly opened them to see the creature now lying headless on the floor. He shifted his gaze up to see a cloaked rider on a white majestic horse. For a moment, Hemero wondered if this were an angel sent down by Gaia to help him. The rider continued fighting the rest of the attackers, and one by one, they fell under his sword. In the chaos, Hemero now had a chance to take a good look at what monsters they were escaping from. As he looked closely, he could see they were clearly once field workers. Their clothes, cheap and muddy, but their skin now had a slight yellow tinge, and their eyes were completely white as if they'd rolled back inside their heads. But what disturbed Hemero more than anything was the way they moved. It was as if, as if their bones were disjointed and broken, awkwardly trying to pull themselves forward with no sense of being able to walk or run properly. Hemero took a good look at the rider, but all he could see under the grey cloak he wore was a strong arm protruding that carried a sword almost the size of the horse itself. How any man could have carried such a large sword Hemero did not know. There must have been some kind of magic at work. The rider noticed the boys looking at him. Run to the light, he shouted, as he turned to gallop off into the distance. They quickly ran towards a small cottage and burst straight through the front door. Finn turned around and locked it behind them. Don't lock it, shouted Hemero. What if he needs to come back in? But Finn wasn't listening. Instead, he was now trying to wake his brother up, but it wasn't working. Hemro looked around to see if there was anything that could help. They had run into an extremely messy kitchen. The smell was like a public toilet, and it was very bare. Nothing here was useful. Just then, there was a banging on the front door. Something was trying to get in. Finn and Hemro looked at one another, until they heard the door unlock and be thrown wide open to reveal the tall, hooded rider that had saved them. The doorway framed him like some horrid painting, a figure covered in dirt and blood with a huge sword being dragged behind him. It was a sight worse than any of Finn's stories. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The rider threw back his hood to reveal a surprisingly young face. It was, however, remarkably dirty. His brown eyes were large and dark. He had a long black beard and greasy hair, and beneath the hair and dirt, Hemero could make out a burn mark covering the left-hand side of his face. Thanks for locking the door, he grumbled. Both boys just stood and stared at him. The rider smiled back awkwardly, then proceeded to take off his muddy, blood-stained cloak and threw it onto the ground by the door. Underneath was merely farmer's wear, tatty and threadbare, not at all the warrior attire they were expecting. Still, no one said anything. The rider went to the sink, washed a cloth and filled a kettle. While the water was heating on the stove, he stared out the window in complete silence. Hemero wondered what he was looking at. Perhaps he wasn't looking at anything. As the whistle of the kettle grew increasingly louder, still no one moved until the rider grabbed a mug, sniffed it and placed it on the table. He then took the kettle and poured the hot water into the clay mug. He opened a cupboard and took down a glass jar full of brown powder. He took off the top and poured some of it into the cup. After stirring, he sniffed it again and walked towards Milius. Oh no you don't, shouted Finn, jumping in front of his defenceless brother. Please, the writer said in a mild, gentle manner. This for his own good. I mean him no harm. Finn reluctantly agreed, and he placed the wet cloth over Milius's forehead, before tipping the warm liquid into Milius's mouth until he looked like he was drinking it without aid. Slowly, he opened his eyes and the rider stepped back to the table and downed the rest of the liquid in the mug. Milius and Finn embraced. Finn, thank you. I'm not the only one to thank. Finn turned to Hemero and the rider. However, the mysterious man was just staring out the window into the dark. Hemero saw that despite being a farmer, the rider was overweight and moved a lot slower than he had outside. Thank you, Hemero, said Milius. And thanks be to you, stranger. Tell me, Knight of Gaia, what was your mission? The rider stated without turning from the window. Milius was slightly taken aback by the forthright question. I am not permitted to say, especially to strangers, replied Milius, still weary. It's mad, Morris, Finn whispered. Morris laughed. Ha <laughs> ha! Well then, young one, I guess you are an honourable knight. A very rare sight these days. No need, for there's only one type of magic that can do this. When was the Kalad stolen? Today, Hemero blurted out. Milius shot him a fierce look, but Hemero felt compulsion to trust this man in front of him. Well, then we still have time. What you have encountered are local people, arisen from the dead. The rider sat down at his table and took out a pipe and lit it. The smell was intoxicating and Hemero had never smelled anything quite like it before. The Kalad is a small, golden artefact, shaped like a medallion or a coin. Inscribed on it are some ancient symbols that give it its power, much like this. The rider took out a small, shiny golden coin out of his pocket and showed it to the others. 
Is that it? Minis asked. No, this has no power, not in this world anyway. The Kalad can only bring those who are not completely decomposed to life, or some sort of life. Unless they have no head. If they're headless, they pose no threat. Now the problem isn't these undead. The problem's the living. How so? Minis got up, struggling slightly, and sat opposite him. How come you know so much? Who are you? The living, the man continued, those with the artifact, can control these undead with mere will. But what's a few corpses, huh? Useless. The last time this was used, it was a genocide. The poor, the helpless, the innocent. What's genocide? Finn whispered to Emero. Murder, the rider replied. On a huge scale. It's a quick, easy way to control an army using the Kalad. The more you murder, the more troops you have at your disposal. A battle can quickly turn when your fallen comrades suddenly take up arms against you. Was it the Darklands? Did they kill all those people? Hemro asked. Let's just say it was a group of evil people drunk with power. The rider gave an unexpected slight laugh. <laughs> but rest for now. You're safe for the moment. I'll border up any windows and doors before I set to bed. Don't fret. By the way, forgive me for not introducing myself before. I am Moros. I am Milius, one of... I don't care. Follow me, all of you. Morris showed them into a small back room. This room belonged to my children. They have since grown up and moved on, I'm afraid. There were three small beds, and there, painted on the walls, were children's pictures of trees and fairies and angels and indecipherable doodles that could be mistaken for anything. The pictures, however, were faded through sunlight and looked like they had been there for a long time. The once youthful, vibrant colours of pencils, crayons and such had grown into a transparent portrayal of an existence that never was. The white paper yellowed and curled, the memory distorted. Morris walked out and left them to it. The three of them got into the ice-cold beds but were so exhausted they didn't care. But Hemero no matter how hard he tried, could not get to sleep. He noticed that a light from outside the room had been switched on since he had last opened his eyes, so decided to get something to drink. Perhaps Moros knew who the mole in the Valhalla was, or could help him find it. As he entered the kitchen, Moros was sitting there with the large sword placed on the table, along with a bow and a number of arrows. The sword filled up the entire length of the table and more, which must have been about five feet in itself. He was just staring at the weaponry before him, as if he didn't touch them. Just as Hemero was about to sneak back to his room, Morris spoke. Come, sit with me, Hemero. Hemero sat on the chair next to him and stared at the weaponry in the same manner. How did he know his name? A long silence took place until Morris spoke again. Do you know of this sword? No, sir. Well... It's the sword of Tear Devil. It was a sword Karaha used in the Battle of Tikumos. It was a sword that has slain many self-appointed kings of old. It was this very sword that travelled with Dahos as he travelled the Sea of Souls in his adventures. If you don't mind me saying so, I thought those stories were just fairy tales. Ah, maybe they were. This time Morris stared straight into Hemro's eyes. But maybe I met that man, Dowhouse. 
Maybe it was he who gave me the blood of Pontus when I was a boy not much older than yourself. That's impossible, sir. Those stories are older than old. I mean, really old. Like, older than Theus. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure of that. Theus is no spring chicken. Morris smiled and picked the sword up. As he did so, Hemero felt a sudden urge to also take up the sword. He felt his majestic power surging through him like nothing else he had ever felt. The sword shone and glistened in the light as if it brightens the entire room. Morris noticed Hemero's interest. Huh? Is it true, why here, that you live in the Valhalla? He asked. Yeah, kind of. I live just outside it in a, a little hut of sorts. It's nothing fancy. Then we are not so different, though you are a victim of circumstance. You are very brave today, young Hemero. I wouldn't think so. I was, I was scared. It was terrifying. But that is bravery, young man. It's not about being unafraid. It's about conquering your fear. If you are fearless, you are full. Or mad. <laughs> Morris laughed. How do you know where I live, Morris? Do not get so uptight, young one. <laughs> Just like me at your age. Son, I only know through what I hear. Just like everyone else. Morris brought out his pipe again and began smoking it. This time the smoke smelt stronger. Lot of people were interested in you. More than you could imagine. Ah, but I've said too much. Be careful of your passions, Emero, whether they be love or hate. Any extreme emotion clouds judgment, and you have to know where your responsibilities truly lie, even if it means hurting those close to you. But then, I am the last person you should be hearing this from. What do you mean, I don't understand? Sometimes, Morris sighed, your fate has already been decided. Morris took a long puff of smoke and closed his eyes. Hemero looked on the table and became transfixed on the magnificent sword. The golden hilt glistened like fire against the icy cool steel of the blade. There was a beautiful pattern carved into the gold, shapes and swirls and mesmerising patterns dancing across it, distracting him from the solid strong steel that served one purpose, to kill. How do you come to have that sword then, sir? Hemero asked, wondering if one day he might be able to acquire the sword for himself. I killed the man who bore it. Morris paused. Tell me, young man, has anyone ever told you how you came about such eyes? No, sir, just that I'm some sort of half-titan. Some say it's a curse, some a blessing. <sighs> They're not wrong either. I've seen those eyes before and I think one day you shall see them again in another. Though, well, that might not necessarily be such a good thing. Hemero sat straight up in his seat. You've seen my clan, sir. When? Where? Your clan? Well, yes, many a moon ago. Where your village once stood, that is now nothing but a grave. You'll find the secrets of your eyes one day when fate wills it. Or when Gaia wills it, sir. Hemero thought this the right thing to say, but a look of anger suddenly brushed past Morris's face. Do not talk to me of Gaia. Hemero felt a sudden thickness in the air. The wind was gently blowing the light out of the lamp and at once Hemero felt afraid of Moros. As much as I am grateful to the Valhalla and what it stands for, it does not mean that I am a man of Gaia. 
Do not take that as me saying that he doesn't exist, young man. I'm merely saying you must make your own mind up about what you hear. Do not ever trust what you are told as the truth. And that goes for what I say also. That's, uh, well, confusing. At this moment, Morris stood up and stumbled across the room. It was suddenly evident that he'd been drinking. He walked into what must have been his bedroom, paused inside, turned around and slammed the door without looking or saying anything else to Hemero. On the table lay the sword. Hemero thought he heard it say something to him, but he decided it was because he was too tired and so he went to bed, all the while not knowing that the sound was from an undead, staring at him through the window, its moaning, beckoning others to join him. If you wish to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash legacyofgaia. If you wish to skip ahead, you can actually buy the book on Amazon right now. You can follow the link in the description. You can follow us on Twitter at Legacy of Gaia or email us at legacyofgaia at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate or review us on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you for listening and see you next time. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.